0: Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2results.com to learn more. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account.
2: Did you know that when your
0: tooth enamel is gone, it's gone forever? That's scary to think about. So up your daily regimen with Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair Toothpaste and new Pronamel Repair Mouthwash. They work great together, penetrating deep into the tooth surface and locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. With new Pronamel Repair Mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. So show your teeth some love with Pronamel, the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion. Buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Learn more at Pronamel.com.
1: Welcome back into My Guys in the Desert. I'm Danielle Avari, still here in the v studio with Wes Reynolds. And a little bit of breaking news in the NBA. The MVP award has been announced, and Nikola Jokic does take it home. He's the first Nuggets player ever to win the award and the lowest draft pick to ever win MVP. He was round two, pick 41. Uh, I also noticed something kind of amusing, if you will, on Twitter. People are talking about the fact that when he was drafted, it was actually during a Taco Bell commercial. So really, (laughs) really getting the respect he deserves but now obviously uh doing great I know you mentioned he opened 25 to 1 to win this award at the start of the season yeah
3: that's right about about the average of where he was and he's actually only the second guy in the last 15 years to win at that high of a price the Mm. last guy was uh Derek Rose in 2010-2011 for the Chicago Bulls but what really is kind of the outlier in this pace and space NBA we have where it just spread the ball out and shoot every three imaginable the last Big man to win the MVP in the NBA was Shaq in Mm 1999-2000 with the Lakers and, of course, you know, we don't see as much, Danielle, on a night-to-night basis in terms of NBA post-play, mm-hmm. where the big man, even though Jokic is a guy that has the inside-outside game and can obviously step out and shoot threes, whereas Shaq was kind of like, let me back you down, dribble, 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 and then jump up and dunk on you bully out of the way. Let so, me just be
1: 300 pounds. Yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly. Uh, be a big man. And that's what Shaq did, is play exactly like a big man. But Jokic can kind of do both here as a little bit more I guess, diverse offensively, shall we say, and wins at the MVP. And I think deservedly. So I got right. into a little, uh, not a kerfuffle. It didn't really reach that Some standpoint. Perhaps? But there was somebody yeah. on Twitter when I made the observation that <laughs> Nikola Jokic is absolutely the MVP of the NBA, but I felt in terms of most valuable to his team was Chris Paul. And okay. somebody told me to, G T O F H, uh, you know what? At that least they act-
1: abbreviated it for yeah, you. Yeah,
3: they did. Yeah. But but you know that that I was basically an idiot for saying that. And I go, well, he goes, if you look at when Jokic went out of the game, the Suns went on this big run. So you know, get out of here. And I was like, well, if you look at the seventy-two game season, Chris Paul took a team that didn't make the playoffs to the number two team in the Western Conference. So I mean, I mean, it's whatever you want to argue, fine. I didn't say Jokic shouldn't be the MVP. I said yeah, absolutely should but Chris Paul has absolutely taken the Phoenix Suns I think to very much a new level and has made Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton better. They've made improvements in their game, but he's helped make them better. So, got to put some respect on Chris Paul's name there, man.
1: Uh, impeccable person uh, like impersonation there. I'm sure that's exactly actually how that guy talks. Uh <laughs> And we've seen documented how big of an improvement teams see when they add Chris Paul to their roster. I mean, that is documented in the stats. Uh, What's interesting, obviously, this is a regular season award, but the Nuggets are the longest shot left to win the NBA title at this point. They're sitting at 40 to one. The Nets obviously the favorite at plus 110. I think we're used to seeing the LeBron Jameses or the Steph Currys, and I say that like there's many of them uh, win this award and their teams are usually in the finals and instead we're seeing a team that's kind of at the bottom. Is that surprising? No, not
3: really. I mean, this is going to be adjusted in terms of how a team is going to perform. And I think the teams that have the liability obviously are not going to drift very far in the market. Like we were talking about with John Avello, mm-hmm. they have plenty of liability on the Clippers. They have plenty of liability on the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm not surprised necessarily to see Denver drift up a little bit. And, and obviously the Hawks are still an unproven commodity and the Bucks now down 2-0. They don't look like they're a championship team by any stretch. Uh, one thing I, w- I do want to uh, follow up with, our guest yeah. in the last hour, Dan Rosen of NHL.com. We thank him for joining us. He mentioned about Carolina announcing a goalie. Yes. It is going to be Alex Nedeljkovic that is going to start instead of Peter Morozik tonight okay. for Carolina. Also, Vincent Trocek upgraded to probable. So, very important for the Carolina Hurricanes as they are facing elimination, at least get a couple reinforcements. Niederreiter, Nico Niederreiter, is also out there for warm-ups. I don't think he has been officially upgraded like Trocheck has but they are taking warm-ups. Warren Fagolet is not taking warm-ups, but obviously Carolina needs as many hands on deck as possible tonight to avoid elimination.
1: And in layman's terms for maybe for an NHL better, who's a little bit newer or an NHL fan who's a little bit newer. What does this goalie selection mean for the Canes?
3: Well, Nedeljkovic was the guy that started the first two games. He wasn't bad, but they lost both games. So they Mm. made a change just to get some fresh blood. Morozik was very good in game three, but I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. I think they're basically very even Nadelkovich, the younger goaltender and had played more games in the regular season.
1: All right, so that game going on, goalie is finally announced, but we also have two NBA games going on tonight. We're going to go all into the props on those games in just a second right here on My Guys in the Desert. into the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com and remember you can always download the free OddsTrader app and start winning with the up to the second info you need. We're back here on My Guys in the Desert. By we, I mean Danielle Alvari here with Wes Reynolds ready to break down these NBA games tonight and take a look at some props. So first game going on tonight, Hawks at 76ers. Again, Sixers open uh, minus 5 now up to minus 6. The total sitting around 224, 738 Eastern start for this one. Uh, We've seen this total move up a little bit in game one. Obviously, Trey Young, 35 points for the Hawks. The Sixers had Joel Embiid. He's been questionable with his knee injury, but did return in game one, put up 39 points. Are we expecting to see him tonight even though he's listed as questionable? Yeah,
3: I would think so. I mean, the fact that you did lose game one, if you won game one, you might have been able to try to see if you can put him on a minute's restriction rather, Mm -hmm. depending on how the game was going to flow. So Look, uh, the Sixers, I think, just got got. When you look, they had the third-best defensive rating in the NBA this season. They were only allowing 108.2 points per 100 possessions in what are called the non-garbage time minutes. So Atlanta made it look easy in the first half. They scored 74 points, 1.37 points per possession. Trey Young obviously continued where he left off, had 35 points and 10 assists in that first game. So, look... I did mention it in the top of the first hour. I do like Philadelphia to bounce back here. I don't want to lay because these numbers are so tight. So even a half a point or a point really – extracts value out of the game, so you don't want to necessarily chase a bad number, Mm -hmm. but I understand why people are going zigzag, so the way I'm going to approach this is parlay Philadelphia on the money line with one of these baseball games tonight, but Mm -hmm. looking at the props here, and I see points, rebounds, and assists, there was one uh, prop that did kind of interest me when I was going over these this morning, and that was actually Joel L. Embiid, not necessarily over his points, because points are obviously the ones that most bettors bet. Sure, They're going to bet Point and uh, and scoring. Yes, absolutely. So you never really, I don't think, get as much value in that prop necessarily as you do in like rebounds or assists or something like that. So I saw Joel Embiid at nine and a half rebounds and what he did in game one, he had 39 points, nine rebounds, four assists, three blocks on a plus 13 at plus minus. If you look in terms of the minutes, he's going to go, he went 38 minutes in game one. He, I would expect he's going to be at least around the same for game two tonight He's gained a rebound about one every a little bit less than three minutes when he's on the court this season. Even though his rebounding rate has been down from previous years, he averaged or he actually had over this number of nine and a half rebounds. I think it was like 60% of the time, give or take a percentage or two. So I think Joel Embiid is going to have plenty of opportunity to get rebounds tonight. I don't know if Atlanta really has anybody down low, even though John Collins, I think, is very good. They certainly couldn't stop him in game one when he had 39 and nine. So you know, you got to expect that he is going to produce. I would see him getting maybe 11 or 12 rebounds tonight. And you look at the regular season when he played at least 32 minutes or more, he had more than nine and a half rebounds, 21 out of 27 times. So that's the prop I really kind of attacked for this evening. I really didn't see anything necessarily on the Atlanta side, Uh, maybe Bogdanovich over points because he did kind of step up in game one right? when he was down. Uh, in the previous series when he's averaging 13.5 points when he was well over like 20 points in the month of April going down the stretch of the regular season. That might be what I would look at. But the Embiid over rebounds prop was the one I like best in this game.
1: Uh, If you're assuming the Sixers win tonight, there's a player parlay prop also available. Ben Simmons to score 16 points and the Sixers to win. You're getting a yes at plus 150.
3: You know, I talked about this with Brady Cannon on the Lombardi line this morning, and I always maintain that Simmons is kind of a little bit of a hard guy to handicap in Mm -hmm. terms of his points prop because Simmons essentially is having to play the point guard for this team. And I think he's done a very solid job, but you know, this is not a guy because what did they always put the three, point prop on Ben Simmons at a half and yeah. it's like you can Come only on. bet the over because everybody wants to bet the under because he never hardly takes a three. We know that he is not very good from outside 14 to
1: arc. one on the over for that, by the way, if you yes. think he makes one three pointer yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So that's why it's always kind of in there where, you know, okay, he's got to get his points in the paint or obviously got to get to the line. But the rebounds and the assists, I think, have been pretty solid for for Ben Simmons. He had that triple-double in the closeout game against the Wizards in round one uh, of the NBA playoffs. So he certainly is kind of the stat sheet stuffer, if you really want to look at that from a rebounds and, I think, assist perspective. So what's the combined total I'm seeing there? 32 and a half?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So, I mean and if you have markets too that maybe will allow you to take the points out of play yeah. where you can do the rebounds and assists combined I'd be interested be I'd be interested to see that number but Simmons is one of those guys you never really know when he's going to go off every once in a while he's going to have a high 20 point or maybe like a 30 point game but sometimes he's going to give you 7 or 8 so he's always very difficult I think to handicap. Like first game he had 17 points, 10 rebound or 10 assists and four rebounds. Went 7 of 7 from the floor, so was able to get there. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe for the combined prop I could see that going over 32 and a half. I have not bet that, but yeah. in in terms of those props I'm seeing on our graphic that was yeah. just put up here at beacon.com that would be the way I would go on those combined points, rebounds, assists.
1: Well, not to be a Ben Simmons apologist, but I do feel like he's one of those players that people love to give a hard time when he's not scoring a lot, but people don't like to point out when he had a good game in game one. But like you said, because it's so inconsistent, really hard to handicap. And so maybe you do look at a prop, like you said, rebounds and assists, leave the points out of it. Uh, Or you look at one that combines points, rebounds and assists, instead of having to bank on how many points he's actually going to score.
3: And oh, by the way, we are seeing pretty much market consensus, six and a half. Mm -hmm. Now, we mentioned in the first hour there were a lot of sixes, but those are disappearing. So we haven't I haven't seen a seven here yet really anywhere. I don't know if it gets to that point. Obviously, if you see a seven pop, I think that's going to be gobbled up by value betters and wise guys here taking the seven on a key number with Atlanta. But basically six and a half right now in the market.
1: Yeah, I mean, as Johnny Avello mentioned, that line moving even farther for the Sixers than their last game, even though they lost their last game. So, of course, I would love to take some value if I could get a plus seven on the Hawks. The other game going on, Clippers at Jazz. Jazz, a three-point favorite, total sitting around 220 and a half. It was a consensus, minus three and a half yesterday. It opened at minus four and a half, so we're seeing money come in on the Clippers. Uh, obviously, the Jazz had the NBA's best record. Neither team won a championship, but what players would you be looking at tonight in terms of props?
3: Yeah, the dynamic obviously has changed for the Utah Jazz when you look at the fact that Michael Conley Jr. has been ruled out. So now Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell has to be the ball handler, the primary point guard. Joe Ingles will be moved into the starting lineup. So the first thing I think logically now it's probably already been taxed at the line and adjusted from this standpoint would be Donovan Mitchell assists. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to not only get his own offense, but he's also going to have to to dish the ball and he's going to probably have the defensive assignment. They're probably not going to put him on Reggie Jackson because one of the mysteries of this series I think is if the Clippers and Ty Lue are going to stick with this small lineup.
1: Right. it worked for them.
3: Yeah, you saw after game two, he finally said, okay, I can't play Zubach here. (laughs) I have to take him out. He's getting absolutely destroyed in the pick and roll by Luka Doncic, so you saw his minutes kind of really struggle a little bit or really be decompressed if you will, Mm -hmm. and then they went with that starting lineup with Kawhi, PG, Batum, Reggie Jackson, and Marcus Morris, so Beverly and Zubach were out. I would expect Beverly is going to be on the floor a lot more in this series to have to guard one of these jazz shooters and/or Donovan Mitchell, so that's what I'm going to be interested in. Probably where you would want to look on the Utah side is Gobert props because mm. Boban Marjanovic gave them real problems in that series. So if they're having issues with Boban, you would think that they're going to have some issues with Rudy Gobert. who's averaging 17 and a half points and about 13 rebounds, and you just got to think that he could be a stat sheet stuffer in terms of lobs and putbacks. They, they don't run a ton of offense always to Rudy Gobert, but they'll give him some looks in the post uh, mm-hmm. and, and try to get him the ball down there and see if he can get pinned on a, a 3 and D guy or pinned on a wing on a switch down there and see if he can score. So Gobert on the Utah side is probably where I'd be playing this a little bit most because I'm not sure of the dynamic now with Donovan Mitchell moving over to be the primary point guard, at least for game one with Michael Conley Jr. out, but mm-hmm. Angles certainly is going to get some touches in terms of threes. So is bogdanovich so probably your surest bet on the utah side or at least one that you are more confident of would be rudy gobert on his overs
1: and conley out tonight dealing with that hamstring tweak still from from round one
3: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they thought he was going to be back because he did miss game five against the grizzlies where the jazz went ahead and wrapped up that series so you know Eventually, they're going to need him. I think in this series, they need another scorer. They need uh-huh. another playmaker. As they do have quickness at guard, not only with him but with Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson off the bench can right. be a scorer. Not really a great shooter per se, but a guy who can put the ball in the bucket and uh, kind of a volume shooter a little bit. But. You know, I I go back to kind of my outlook of this series. Mm -hmm. I like Utah in game one, even without Conley. I think they can rally in that first game. And just with the Clippers, with that short turnaround, it's kind of of a little bit, now it can work both ways, and you can really make that argument of, well, okay, the Clippers had two elimination games, Mm -hmm. and they got by them in both game (laughs) six and game seven. So they got momentum, and they're going to be able to carry that adrenaline over. That's the, if you want to apply it to hockey, that's the Montreal Canadiens argument where it's like they were facing elimination twice. They got by the Leafs and they win game seven. So they go ahead and they have that adrenaline that just carried them forward against Winnipeg. Won game one and ended up sweeping the series. Uh, What's the motto now for the Montreal Canadiens? Kind of needling Toronto a little bit with the We the North. But they're calling it We the North, O-U-I. Like the uh, Jeremiah nice. song, "There's No We Without You and I," so they're taking that needle jab against their rival, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Did you like that little mid two thousand R and B reference? Okay, yeah. at least you got it. I don't yeah. know if the audience did, but <laughs> it's, like, it's a little
1: good Canadian humor. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so, so
3: Montreal rallied, obviously, and and it had the momentum really in Game One. But then, as we were talking about with Dan Rosen. Vegas had that series one against Minnesota, and then they had to survive basically in game seven. So they were absolutely gassed and exhausted, and then they got smacked around in game one by the avalanche. So you wonder, you can really make an argument for both sides. And I mentioned earlier that team that loses or that wins the game seven in the series before when they go ahead and play game one in the next series, they're about 40% straight up Mm -hmm. to win that game one. So the jazz are a 60% proposition, and that's why I like them on the money line here. Even though I like the Clippers in the series, what I'm hoping to do is go ahead and get on the Clippers at the right time and play them at plus money going into game two. Sometimes uh, best laid plans don't always work out necessarily as I did get the Clippers series price home after game one, but then again, I didn't exactly time it right because I could have got 140 after game five. So, you know, a win is a win. I'm not going to complain about cents on the dollar or a few bucks here, but that's what it's all about is trying to really time this thing.
1: And only Wes Reynolds, by the way, could so beautifully tie together the NHL and the NBA playoffs and, and bring you some knowledge from both right there. Looking at these Clippers and Jazz, though, I know you mentioned Donovan Mitchell's assist prop on DraftKings. at six and a half. You get plus money on the over, so even money here, plus 100. And then under six and a half assists for Donovan Mitchell, minus 129. What do you think of the number? Yeah, that's
3: probably right. Probably and, and And you yeah. really... You, you really haven't seen it discounted because I think maybe I don't know if they're including the Michael Conley Jr. injury necessarily. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to play it over, although I think logically it would matter. But it also depends on how much Jordan Clarkson is going to play off the bench, too. And if he is going to be more of a distributor and not necessarily a guy that they count on to score when they move Donovan Mitchell off the ball and when they have multiple shooters on the floor, if they play Mitchell with angles, if they play him with Bogdanovich mm-hmm. and then have Clarkson count. Kind of run the point guard position off the bench so that's why this game, I think, is a little bit trickier, because we at least have a game to go off on Sunday with Atlanta and Philadelphia. We don't necessarily have that uh, with this one, uh, particularly, and not knowing how Tyron Lou is really going to play this. I haven't seen a starting lineup announced. I, I would assume he may stick with the small lineup, but mm-hmm. y- you're going to see, I think, I think you almost have to see Zubac a little bit more on the floor, just because you need somebody physical down low right. to contend with Rudy Gobert, and you still by the way, don't have Serge Ibaka who they're hopeful to get back for this series are the Clippers, but he missed that first round series. He's also not going to play tonight. And he's also been already ruled out for Thursday. So you need somebody down low to match the physicality of Rudy Gobert. And without Zubach on the floor, they just don't have anybody.
1: Right. And this is a game one you're talking about. There's a lot of question marks about how things are going to play out. A lot of betters like to stay away from game ones. They like to see a game or two Mm -hmm. and see how the series plays out. I know that you like to make a lot of live bets as well. So if you were looking at this game, what would you be looking for in terms of line betting?
3: Well, see if the Clippers uh, can carry that momentum off when in game seven, because usually I kind of maintain when you have a team that's on a short turnaround, I don't think that they come out necessarily so sluggish. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they have the adrenaline at least early. So the legs are there at least early in the first half and that's kind of what you can apply with like conference tournaments when you got to play on a Thursday and you get a win and then you get that rested team that you're playing on Friday. The team that's already played a game kind of already has their legs under them. They've been through that scenario of an elimination so maybe there's something to be said for the Clippers at least early on then you could potentially get the Jazz at plus money if they're a little bit sluggish, if the rust kind of triumphs the rest a little bit here right. for Utah because they've been off for several days.
1: And one of these points heads to head as well, you can have Donovan Mitchell at minus 167 to score more points or Kawhi Leonard at plus 130. If Donovan's going to be in more of that point guard role, any value here on Kawhi at plus 130?
3: Yeah, it could be. It could be, I think, because Mitchell's going to need to get those shooters involved. And obviously Kawhi, they got to count on him to score because... With with this lineup, those guys, those other three guys, were kind of hit or miss. Reggie Jackson and whatnot. And one thing with the Clippers is they they don't really have a true point guard. Their two best assist guys are their best scores. Right. Paul George and Kawhi.
1: They're doing it all. Uh, we have more to discuss. Obviously, we'll come back to this close to the end of the show. We have some best bets coming up. Wes has golf going on. There's WNBA action. You know, I'm going to be on that. We have that and more coming up on My Guys in the Desert.
0: Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account.
1: Welcome back in. Don't wait days for your winnings. Cash out instantly with BetRiver's feature Rush Pay. Get your cash when you want it at BetRiver's Sportsbook, the industry leader with exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the most in-play betting options out there. As always, you get a $250 match bonus, the fastest payouts, and only one-time playthrough at BetRiver's, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at playsugarhouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem in Illinois, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-2707-117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Not valid in Iowa. Back here on My Guys in the Desert, Daniel Avari and Wes Reynolds with our best bets. Wes, uh, should I do the honors? Ladies first. Okay. Well, interesting. You say that because we do have some ladies playing basketball tonight. Uh, WNBA action going on starting at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. The Lynx and the mystics will start at that time. I'm on the mystics plus two and a half. I also have the over 164 in this mystics Lynx matchup. I know what you're thinking. The mystics are only two and five, but the Lynx are just three and four. And the mystics also have Tina Charles, who is averaging 25 points per game. She pretty much does whatever she wants in the paint. So I'm hoping uh, that the Lynx can also put some points on the board they do have some lower scoring games at the start of the season but lately they've been picking up their offense they've had some additions as well Uh, some players have been left off the roster due to injury so they brought in some new players so I'm hoping we get over 164 tonight and I think the mystics not only cover this but I think they'll win this one Uh, we also have mercury and wings going on later tonight that's a 10 p.m. eastern start Uh, the mercury of course still without Diana Taurasi she does have that cracked sternum that's been keeping her out for a couple games Uh, but mercury wings tonight the wings are an interesting Interesting team. I can't put my finger on them. They love to shoot three pointers, but they have not been super successful at winning games, except for they just beat the defending WNBA champions, the Seattle Storm, by one. Really low scoring affair for them. Usually I like their games for overs, uh, but this was their second matchup. This is also going to be a second matchup for the Mercury and the Wings. Uh, It was a close game last time, but I think the Mercury is the more polished team here. I think they've been in more uh, scenarios where they're going to be able to close this game out and definitely cover this minus one and a half. I'm
3: kind of digging your Washington miss. Yeah, because they're off two very good performances. They did lose by five at Connecticut. Of course, Mike Tebow, the former coach at the Connecticut Sun. And then they also had Las Vegas come in one of mm-hmm. the better teams in the league Held Did own. lose by three. So maybe kind of this is the good effort where it's like, okay, this is now the do factor. We played well the last two times and now this is our time to get a win.
1: Yeah. Uh, not really sure what's going to happen with this Mercury Wings game though. If I if I could see the wings beating the storm, then I don't. That was kind of an aberration. But mm-hmm. um, I think that we're going to see some regression there, and I think that the Mercury will be able to cover, and hopefully we'll stay under the total as well. Uh, do you have any best bets for tonight, Wes? I
3: do. We kind of went around the horn here. We just said let's just empty the kitchen sink, I guess here with what we are doing. So baseball, we'll start up there. Valdez, I mentioned that earlier. That's the Houston Astros. Go ahead and list him minus one sixteen. I know it's moved a little bit. So not a ton of value left in this, but anything less than 120, I think is layable Boston kind of middle of the pack against left-handed pitching and Houston Astros absolutely destroy left-handed pitching Perez got the best of them last start with seven and two thirds of shutout ball. But these are good left-handed his- hitters historically with Altuve and Gurriel and Bregman. So they'll make the adjustments. So I like the Astros tonight. I'm going to go with the avalanche. I know the momentum has shifted toward the Golden Knights, but keep in mind this was an avalanche team that was laying 195 right. in game two. That is a 50-cent drop. That is a big drop, so I'm going to try to buy low on the avalanche. Mm-hmm. Jazz, We're and, and also the under two at 5.5 minus 115. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you get these two-to-two two series in that pivotal game five, you get a team that doesn't really want to make a mistake. right? So sometimes you get a little bit of tight play, very good defense, blocking a lot of shots. So I think under five and a half. Jazz minus 145. I don't like the fact that Michael Conley Jr. is out. I would much rather have him, but I wouldn't be having 145 on the money line if he was. So (laughs) uh, look, I'm hoping this is how it plays out, where playing the percentages that the home team who wins 60% of the time when a team has played a game seven, that the Clippers may be a little bit out of gas, at least in that short-term turnaround. And then I can go ahead and play them on the series price. 76ers, I did like them. I didn't want to lay the number at six and a half, so I parlayed them with Sonny Gray and the Reds tonight. That is plus 136. And then I also, with that late news here, I think Carolina's got one more game in them. I know it seems like it's easy to play against them, that they look defeated when they gave up that two-goal lead against Tampa Bay. But now with Trocheck back and with Niederreiter going to play, I like the Kaniacs in Raleigh at home to go ahead and send this back to Tampa for a game six. Carolina Hurricanes plus a dollar ten.
1: I wouldn't mind if they go down one goal early, get an even better number Mm -hmm. on the Hurricanes to come back because I think they could accomplish that. We have more to break down on the MLB slate for tonight. That and more on My Guys in the Desert. and if you missed any part of our show or anything on the Vsin schedule today don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast you can catch replays of all our shows including Follow the Money A Numbers Game My Guys in the Desert and the Lombardi Line with Vsin Best Bets you can also download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum plus we've got Hardwood Handicappers Long Shots Gone Racing and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod they're all free and available now at vsincom slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts we're back here on My Guys in the Desert, Danielle Avari and Wes Reynolds. I know that we have some PGA action going on this weekend. First time that we've had a PGA tournament at the Congaree Golf Club in South Carolina. Wes, you have some plays for us for the Palmetto Championship? I
3: do, and I'll go ahead and lay out kind of this tournament. This was actually supposed to be the spot for the RBC Canadian Open, Mm. but due to COVID-19 concerns north of the border, canceled for the second straight year, should be back next year in Toronto at St. George Golf Club. So, we do have a one off event, and that is the Palmetto Championship in Congaree, the golf club in South Carolina. And Gillisonville is the town, which is about 30 miles north of Savannah, Georgia. So. This course really does have a high profile and some expectations to it. It's a recent design by Tom Fazio in 2017, opened in 2018, was actually voted as Golf Digest Best New Private Course in 2018, mm. and also voted in as number 39, I believe, in the 100 Greatest Courses in America list that they do every year at that publication, Golf Digest. A big course in terms of yards, 7,655 yards, par 71, longest par 71 they've ever had on the PGA Tour. This is not exactly a prep for what you're going to see at the U.S. Open next week in San Diego at Torrey Pines where you're going to have – a long a long course like that, but the fairways are gonna be a little bit more narrow and there's gonna be thick rough at the US Open. There always is. There is little to no rough here. It's really a lot more sand, kinda of remembers or resembles, I guess, a little bit of an Australian course. You mm-hmm. do have water in play on ten holes. Fairways are pretty generous, so doesn't necessarily favor the big hitters, even though they can cut those oak trees. This course is gonna have a lot of rollout in the fairways. They expect it to be pretty firm and fast, so That's what you're going to see. Bermuda green. So this course actually is a really good course. I wish you had more guys playing this and maybe it was in a better spot in the schedule, but obviously a temporary event and credit to the superintendent down there and all the crew and staff, because they've only had about three months to get this ready for a PGA Tour event that they did not expect to happen. So top of the field. Local South Carolina guy, born in Columbia, went to school in Conway, South Carolina, at Coastal Carolina. That was Dustin Johnson. He is the top of the field at 8-1. to one. Brooks Kepka right behind him at 9-1. to one. And then some of the lower-priced guys, Terrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, also on the board i skirted i kind of went bargain hunting here i did not necessarily want to go with the chalky guys with no course history here mm-hmm. so i took a pass on those guys guys have different motivations this week too some guys are just trying to tune up for the us open some players are in this event because they know it's a little bit of a downfield in terms of the top field quality so they're wanting to get those fedex cup points and obviously get a really good finish to make sure they're in that 125 at the end of the year keep that pga tour card so on with the business here, because I played a little bit less in terms of the increments because I have a lot more longer shots this week. Mm-hmm. Shortest price guy was 35 to 1. That's Harold Varner third. He is very popular this week, so that worries me a little bit when too many of us are on him. Mm-hmm. Always a really good ball striker. Just... What Brady Cannon always says, he goes, I've never seen the guy make a putt, though. Yeah. He, he always hits great iron shots. Which I it, hear is important in golf. It is important. Yeah. So so why the hell am I betting him? Well, <laughs> I, because he's a really good ball striker. He's gained on the greens in five of the last seven starts. Ian Poulter, 40-1. to one. The U S open is probably not going to be a course for Ian Poulter, but he is a guy the week before the major that does very well. If you look at his career, 17 top 10 or better finishes the week before a major first in the field, in terms of uh, a metric that I look at called strokes, gain short game, Mm. which is combining putting with also around the green. So obviously chipping short pitches, that game has been on point here, so forty to one. Luke List seventy-five to one, and talk about a guy that's a really bad putter. One hundred and forty-eighth in strokes gained putting over the last twenty-four rounds, but he's been hitting the ball beautifully of late, and he's second in the field in tee to green, third in ball striking, fourth off the tee. So maybe he can make some this week. I just thought it was a big price. Richie Wirenski ninety or eighty to one rather. His actually uh, is a better putter than his numbers will indicate. He's really good on fast Bermuda greens, which you're going to see this week. It's going to roll about 12 feet on the stint meter. So he really putts well on these fast greens. I thought uh, Brady is also on him at the same price at 80 to 1. JT Poston, 85 to 1, kind of a local angle here. He is from the Carolinas. He was able to get his, his rounds in in Columbus. He did make the U.S. Open because we did have U.S. Open qualifying around the country at various sectional regions on Monday day so he was able to get that in didn't have to wait till this morning like a lot of guys did to go ahead and finish their round so he locked up his spot he's already down there in South Carolina he has course knowledge here at Congaree actually a swing coach who's Mm -hmm. named John McNeely is the executive program director for the congaree foundation Hmm. at this course he's also the president his swing coach of diamond creek which is another tom fazio design in north carolina poston's one pga tour win was at the wyndham championship up in greensboro north carolina a couple years ago so carolina course think he might be able to go well Vincent Whaley, I'm just going on consistency here at 110 to one. He's made nine straight cuts since going back to Pebble Beach in February. Seventh in the field for overall strokes gained. It was just taking a price. I saw him at over 100 to one. He's mm-hmm. now down to kind of like the 80, 80ish range. So Vincent Whaley for a long shot, and then a couple more long shots. Uh, Camilo Vijegas at 140 to one. Four top 25s in his last seven starts. Short game pretty good all around. Not as great off the tee lately, but like I mentioned. A lot of rollout in these fair lays, so that can maybe mitigate the disadvantage he's at off the tee, and then we'll close it out with my guy from Avon, Indiana near where I grew up. That is Patrick Rogers, 175-1, to 1, still seeking his first win on the PGA Tour. He actually was the low man at the qualifying side in Jupiter, Florida at the Bears Club for the U.S. Open, so he already wrapped up that spot. Three shots clear of the field. Now he can concentrate on, okay, let me get some FedEx Cup points and maybe get a win here against the leaker field. Big hitter off the tee. Wide fairways at Congaree. You really don't get in much trouble off the tee. You can, but it's kind of harder to do on this wide layout. So, those are my staking plan this week for the Palmetto Championship, and we'll see how they go.
1: So Patrick Rogers, no relation to Aaron Rogers, just so there's no confusion here. And you mentioned no course history, obviously, on this course. How important is that normally in your handicap?
3: Yeah, it plays a part. Certain yeah. courses are important more than others, and we kind of mm-hmm. saw it actually last week at Muirfield Village. Patrick Cantlay, who had won there in 2019, kind of mentioned he'd been in some shaky form, had some mm-hmm. personal issues uh, off the course, but put those to bed. Got fortunate that John Rahm, of course, had to pull out with a six-shot lead after Saturday. So, congrats to my partner on long shots, Brady Cannon. You can catch that later on vcin.com. He did hit Patrick Late last
1: Sometimes week. I think that Wes knows more about the personal lives of the PGA. I know Warfros too much. Than they know themselves, yes. But we are really lucky to happen for that reason. We'll break down some more MLB and more next on My Guys in the Desert.
0: your teen requested a ride but this time not from you it's through their uber teen account you probably drive your teenager around a lot they have gymnastics club science club rec soccer club school soccer club club soccer club and three-hour clarinet club on saturday night perfect Now with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree.
1: Welcome back into the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Casino. Make sure you check out OddsTrader.com and download the free OddsTrader app right now so you can start winning with the the up-to-the-second info you need. We'll be giving you some up-to-the-second info on this hockey game that just got underway. Danielle Avari here with Wes Reynolds, Tampa Bay, and... uh the Carolina Panthers, or excuse me, the Hurricanes, rather. The Panthers, not so much anymore. Uh, the Hurricanes underway here, and already a power play going on in that one, so we'll keep you up to date on that. We also have lots of baseball coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, one of those games, Dodgers at Pirates. We have Walker Bueller on the mound for the Dodgers, and JT Brubaker for the Pirates.
3: And JT Brubaker has kind of been, I guess, one of the few bright spots in this Pirates season so far. They've, they've got a winner here, I think, with him long-term, so He's a very good pitcher, so you're not really seeing all the money go to the Dodgers tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm sure probably in terms of tickets, but not in terms of money count. If you look at Walker Bueller, uh, only uh, 4-0 so far this year, 282 on the ERA, 353 on the XFIP. Innings are up. If you remember last year in 2020 where he had eight starts and only went 1-0, and he was only going like four and two-thirds innings. Now he's going six and a third. The concern kind of before the year was that Walker Bueller's velocity was down and he mm-hmm. usually gets off to a slow start. But he's been better, I think, this year. And he's got a lineup behind him that's averaging 5.3 runs a game. So so why not? You can pitch a little more free and easy when you've got those hitters hitting the ball out for you. So they are going against the Pittsburgh Pirates. JT Brewbaker, four and four on the year, 374 ERA, 362 on the XFIP. Uh, averaging about five and two thirds innings per start. This is a guy that does not get a lot of run support, though, at three and a half runs a game, which is the worst in all of Major League Baseball. So you do kind of worry about that if you're taking the Pirates. But I guess where I would lean here, and I understand if people want to take the Dodgers necessarily here in this spot, but you're not seeing a ton of money on a team that does get a lot of money every night. Now, you see 97% of the handle, 96% of the bets, but -hmm. you really haven't seen this really go up more than maybe a handful of cents from the Mm -hmm. opening numbers, so... Did not bet this game would maybe lean with the Pirates here on the run line, taking the run and a half, which I think with the VIG right now, you can get anywhere from like plus 110, plus 117, I think, is offered at Circus Sports. No bet for me, but that would be where I would lean.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, an A lineup for the Dodgers tonight. Uh, this was a game I stayed away from the first inning as well. I'm starting to lean towards the no, based on what you're saying about this pitcher here. Well, and
3: the total also, and we've kind of talked about yeah, this Yeah, eight before, and a half, Danielle. slightly juiced. And I I know that you like these first inning uh, Mm -hmm. yes or no run bets. And look, probably you're going to see more action on the yes because the total has gone up from seven and a half to eight. Mm -hmm. But I often find when a total is getting bet like that to the over, they're going to have to play catch up, and then you're going to get that no run. Or sometimes when one is bet to the under, mm-hmm. then you get a run right. that you least expect. Okay, it's like, okay, we've got two really good pitchers on the mound, but somehow you get a run home, even though it's supposed to go to the under. So that's kind of what I find a little bit. And I know uh, a guy that appears on Gil Show, a numbers game in the morning, Jason Weingarten at Spretopedia, he is a big fan of doing these first run inning bets.
1: Another game that's kicking off uh, towards the stop, top of the hour here. We're going to have Rockies at Marlins, seven ten p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Antonio Sensazella versus Pablo Lopez. Lopez's start was pushed back from Monday. Any insight on how to play that?
3: Well, if you're looking at the market here, they are certainly playing the Miami Marlins as this opened, I believe, about a little over 150. Now seeing as high as 190 in the market at William Hill and a couple other places. So, I'm not going to necessarily lay 190 here with the Marlins. I think you're a little bit late to the party. Maybe you can put it in a in a money line Parlay, if you so choose, but mm-hmm. the reason why is because the Rockies have only won four games on the road. Okay. So it's obviously tough to back the the Colorado Rockies here, but the price, I think, has gotten out of whack. If you got in on the overnight and low 150, 155, 160, good on you. You're going to beat the number by 30 cents, but at this point, I would not be laying the Miami Marlins because this is a team that has very good pitching. A lot of good young pitchers, including Pablo Lopez, who's on the mound tonight, but... This is a team that struggles to score runs here either. So you're asking a team that really does not do well at the plate offensively to win at a big price for you. No thank you to me.
1: And just doubling back really quick to that Dodgers-Pirates game, just announced that it's delayed due to rain. Likely to happen, but not going to start on time.
3: Seattle-Detroit also delayed uh, by about an hour tonight.
1: Yeah, so th- something to take into account as well. You'll have a late start there. You mentioned perhaps putting the Marlins in a money line parlay. I know that you have this next game I'm going to ask you about in one tonight. Brewers at Reds, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern start there. Adrian Hauser versus Sonny Gray. How did you land on the Reds to parlay with the Sixers tonight? Yeah,
3: Sonny Gray's kind of been a tough luck pitcher this year because he's only one and four, but his ERA – is only at about three and a half, and his ex-pip's been even a little better. I think he has been pitching better than his numbers. He's just had rough luck, where when he goes, and sometimes that's random, like with Jacob deGrom the fact that he didn't get run support, even though he got four runs his last time out at San Diego. And, you know, you need to give these guys a little bit of run support, and the Reds have not done that. Now, the Reds do have a couple reinforcements back in that lineup. They did get the sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals in Bush Stadium over the weekend, and they did it very shorthanded. Well, now they're going to get Castellanos back in the lineup. They're going to get Votto back in the lineup. Uh, they're still missing Nick Senzel and they'll miss him for a while. But... The guy who's really carried the Reds this year is uh, Jesse Winker. Jesse is a friend. You know he's been a good friend of mine. And he was a good friend of Reds betters earlier this se- or on Sunday because he had three home runs in St. Louis, including mm-hmm. the winning home run in the ninth inning. So Adrian Hauser has been, I think, Solid for Milwaukee, three eighty-eight on the expert. Obviously, not as good as Woodruff and Burns, who have really been carrying that staff. But you've also got a Brewers team that's still struggling at the plate. No Lorenzo Kane in the lineup. He went back to the injured list. Also, uh, uh, a couple other hitters. This Brewers team just has not hit. They've been making their money on the mound, not at the plate. So I did land on the Reds. It's probably moved a little bit much now, considering it was a dollar twenty-five. You're seeing even as high as a dollar fifty. And in some places, but I think because the Reds are getting reinforcements at the dish, that's why you're seeing them get bet. So, I did parlay the Reds' money line with the Philadelphia 76ers' money line, which, oh, by the way, they didn't have to wait to get to seven, necessarily. I think value betters liked Atlanta on the buyback at six and a half.
1: Someone's thought listening they, to you, I thought
3: they were going to try to wait, but, you know, sometimes that works that way, too, when you're, like, waiting for a number for a key number, like seven, and then these guys, these these greedy pigs, as a friend of mine calls them. It's like, oh, I'm waiting for this number, but these syndicates, they take out the number before I get a chance, so he calls them these these greedy pigs. They just can't leave the numbers for the rest of us.
1: Let's switch over then to that Hawks 76ers game. Why not? That one's going to start at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, so very soon, 76ers minus 122 on the series price. Hawks even money. They lead the series 1-0, to zero, so game two going on tonight. Uh, one of the props we didn't look at was some double-double, props. Uh, any chance that you think Trey Young is going to be able to get one of those because you can get that a yes minus 114.
3: Well, he's been doing it pretty much every single time, so I don't know if I want to yeah. bet the no. I'm not necessarily endorsing the yes, but by the way, Wouldn't bet the no. yeah, you are seeing the total go up. This was, I think, 223 about when we came on the air. No real movement from the opener. Now seeing 225, 225 and a half, and even DraftKings now, the high watermark along with Bet Rivers at 226. So somebody came in, Some betting group came in on the over here, and I really can't argue that. Obviously, you bet what you saw last, 128 to 124. Now, usually more often than not, when you see a game that high scoring, I'm going to look to maybe go the other way, especially on an over. Now, what we saw last night with Milwaukee and Brooklyn, is these totals really open very high? I think it was like 239 in game one for Milwaukee Brooklyn. Then it got adjusted and put out at about 233 and a half, 234. A lot of that was predicated on the James Harden injury. And then people kind of bet it up because usually the scenario is kind of that rally around the family type of thing when you have a star player out. Usually you can make up for that star player's offense missing mm-hmm. in a one game scenario you can't make up for the defense not that james harden is going to be all defensive team in the nba anytime soon but that's kind of how you like to play that that's something to look forward in regular season and maybe playoff games so that number that total i guess opened too high because the pace has been a little bit lower mm-hmm. and maybe betters are thinking this open too low because this is now up to 225 and even 226.
1: Well, looking here at some of these other double-double props, also perhaps a no on the Joel Embiid, depending on his status. Do we have an update on what his status will be for tonight?
3: We do not as of yet. I'm actually feverishly looking to see (laughs) if if, uh, Woj or Shams or somebody has reported what is going to happen. I have to think he is going to play. In, in, in this game, I, I just don't think. I know you want to save a guy's long-term health, but this is also the playoffs, and I don't think he wants to sit. So mm-hmm. I have not seen anything in terms of being reported. Obviously, this game is going to go off here uh, very shortly. I believe 4:30 Pacific, 7:30 Eastern on the tip, so we got about a half hour. But I would expect he's going to go.
1: Now the 76ers obviously still the favorite in the series line here, minus 122. If they go down two games. Would you want to go back in on them if you could get some plus money on this series? Or is it too much predicated on Joel Embiid's status?
3: It's a little bit of the latter. I'm actually having a little internal debate with myself. Now not internal, now external. Now that I've let the audience in on it, of do I want to get in on this Sixer series price right now at about 135 Because I do think they're going to win the series. I do think Embiid is going to be able to get out this injury But I'm debating right now with myself. I have not decided what I'm going to do as of yet.
1: The other game going on of course Clippers and Jazz that one's a 10 10 p.m. Eastern late start Western Conference Jazz minus 130 on the series line Clippers plus 105 game one what are your final thoughts on this one what do you think we're going to see tonight
3: I bet Jazz money line at minus 145 I think I'm going to play the percentages here that betting against the team off of game seven has worked about 60 percent of the time when you look at just the straight up numbers not necessarily ATS but laying in the money line Jazz got to win the game I do like like the Clippers for the series, though I am with JBT. I know a lot of the consensus here at Beason is leaning toward that LA Clippers side. I do think they got that scare in the first round, but maybe lacking a little energy here in Game One, and they pick it up as the series goes along.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. I think a lot of people are liking the Clippers here. I know that Kelly Bidlin, our producer on Primetime Action, is really pulling for the Hawks. Midland Uh, Bidlin
3: with the long shot, trying to get it there like he got the heat into the finals last year. He's
1: trying. We have Danny Burke and Rush Hour coming up and also Primetime Action on v Thanks for joining us on My Guys in the Desert. We'll be back tomorrow, or at least I will. Uh, Until then, uh, good luck with your bets.
0: Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. details.